I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello uh, and welcome to Stalking Time for the Moon Boys, uh, the podcast about David Bowie and anything else really that comes into our heads, but principally about David Bowie. Uh, I'm David Baddiel. I'm here with my friend Tim Hinks. Hello. Uh, now, something you should know about both myself and Tim and this particular one, I think we should maybe have done this earlier considering you know what this is about, mm. but we've waited till episode three to do mm. it. Uh, and that is we've both been made up to look exactly like David Bowie. I mean, if you came in here now and you were a Bowie fan, you might think, oh, my God, not only is he not dead, he had a twin. He's, he had, two, he had an identical yeah. twin. It's incredible. It's um, particularly as I'm basically bald, and yet I still <laughs> managed to look exactly like Bowie in 73. Yeah, it's you eerie, look amazingly, amazingly eerie. like him. Uh, mm. I myself am not bald. I've got that over you. Uh, but I am quite Jewish and hairy, uh, and he wasn't either of those things. What we actually have done is that we have both got on our faces lightning stripes. Uh, stripes or strikes? Um, stri- um, well, I don't think we'd have a lightning strike. <laughs> well, that would be really traumatic. It's a stripe. Well, it is also a strike. It's, it looks it's like a cartoon a strike. of a lightning strike. Yeah, it's not actually a lightning strike. No, it's not actually yeah. a lightning strike. No, but that would be a pity, mm. uh, and really unlikely mm. to happen to both of us. <laughs> what are the chances? <laughs> yeah, but nonetheless, we are both made up to look like the as best we can the cover of Aladdin Sane. Uh, and no, that, to look like Bowie on the cover of Aladdin Sane. Yeah, not the whole cover. Yeah. I mean, I haven't got a big white square <laughs> on my head as well. Oh, but you have. <laughs> Um, and the reason for that is that we decided that we would have to, at some point, have a picture to go with this podcast. Uh, and the picture we went for was ever so slightly Route 1 idea, which was both of us to have the lightning stripe. What I was quite surprised by is that I just thought we would look naff uh, in, a, in a way that I, I wanted to, because I thought, well, that'll look quite funny, me and Tim, uh, with the lightning strike on our faces, stripe. Um, and... I mean, am I just deluding myself? But yeah, I was yeah, a yeah, moment when I, I looked at myself in the mirror. Let me finish this sentence at least. And I looked at myself in the mirror. I think I think I look quite good. I th- well, I th- as you remember, when you had it done, I said you look really good. Yeah. You have got the advantage of ha- you've got quite ziggy hair. I mean, but yeah. I've never noticed it I mean, before. In uh, grey ziggy hair. But one of the things I think we're experiencing, aren't we, is the transformational nature of this. We're going through the Bowie thing. We've become a different character. Are you a lad insane? <laughs> we're both a lad insane. Am I Terry, his brother? I mean, I'm, it's utterly I confusing. I think we are a lad insane and a lad insane. That's the weird thing. But we, as 1939, he, question mark. As he created all those great characters and Halloween Jack, yeah. we are going through his, yeah, what he went through. When you had yours done, I said you look great, and you do. It looks, it looks yeah. fantastic. It's and very simple, you know isn't it? We even looked great when, because we wanted to be as you know faithful to the original image as possible, we had our photo taken by Tim's wife, I should say. Um, she's a photographer. She's, it wasn't like dogging. Uh, she's a photographer. And I'm so uh, glad you pointed out it wasn't like dogging. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it was a bit like dogging because we decided to take our tops off. Uh, and that was because 
obviously Bowie does have his top off uh, on the cover of Aladdin Sane. Now, when he had that picture taken, he didn't have another bloke next to him, mm-hmm. and that was quite complicated. That was his big mistake. That, well, <laughs> I, I would have to disagree with that, because I, I think it was, for me, part of the weirdness of doing this was that I was suddenly next to you, mm. a man I know, I know pretty well mm. now, I mm. consider it to be a close friend, mm. but still... Not that close. Not that close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, it was good, and now well, we've got our tops back on again. Okay, so what we went for anyway was that, and hopefully by the time this podcast is being listened to by anyone at all, uh, you might have seen that image of me and Tim uh, as Aladdin Sains. Um, now, the tear, by the way, because yes. we talked, we haven't the tear that was on his shoulder, or, yes. or not actually not on his shoulder, on his um, clavicle. Um, <laughs> was he playing a clavicle? No, that's, that's one of the songs. That was the B-side. <laughs> Tears on my clavicle. Um, there was the tear on his yes, shoulder. The, I think it yeah. is his clavicle. The, yeah, the, the sort of indentation on your shoulder bone. Yeah. Collarbone, shoulder it's bit. just below the... Co- yeah. yeah. That's where it is. We could probably talk almost the whole podcast about where but, is the tear yeah. on David Bowie's body. But on the cover that of tear yeah. was put in afterwards. So it's quite, you know, it's part of what makes that cover interesting. Yeah, although I, I've never been that keen on the tear. Oh, really? Yeah. I've always, I think I always thought the tears are a bit, little bit like obviously photoshopped in a 1974 way. No, I don't know how they would have done it, by the way. But yeah, but yeah. Well, it doesn't look like a real tear, does it? But the point is, I mean, I've had to cry a fuck of a lot. For that. It doesn't. Look, that it's like a big fat old. And tear. it's quite viscous. Yeah. Also, it doesn't look like he's been crying. He looks like, frankly, he looks like he's asleep. Yeah, I think it's more. It looks more like a pool. Yeah, doesn't it? It's like a pool. A, yeah, of tears. Like, like a. Yeah. But anyway, we, we, who we didn't did do that. Bowie's covers? There wasn't a person, was there? It's not like hip gnosis. Oh, and I say no. hip gnosis yeah. as like total thing that a man of my generation knows, <laughs> which is that all Pink Floyd covers and yeah. sort of Yes covers were done by hip gnosis. Yeah, and Brian Duffy is is, is the guy. Is, is the, a photographer. Did the, did the photograph, didn't he? Don't know uh, of of Aladdin Sane. Okay, and he's exhibits quite a lot. So he's slightly Mick Rocky sort of. He's done a right. lot of the rock stars photos um but we didn't go for the tear did we well, well no we don't forward. know because actually oh we haven't done it, we, it yes. that'll be photoshopped yes and put point. on later just as it was by brian yeah. duffy yes. so we don't know we <laughs> can phone brian and say can you put the yeah. tear on uh that's how i can we put the tear on <laughs> weird <laughs> we <laughs> anyway. know each other that seems <laughs> be interesting to know if you phoned up brian duffy <laughs> and you and i said to you the only thing you're allowed to say is put the tea on yeah and just see what how see that what, played out genuinely is he, is he still alive? i can't think of a better person to try that on i've got no connection with him whatsoever. I might try it. If he, if he says, do you mean put the tear on? Yeah, I, I'm, I would be amazed. I can't tell you how many times I get asked to do that, he'd say. No, <laughs> yeah. no, the tea. The tea, for goodness sake, Brian. <laughs> we very briefly, I think, in the last one, but didn't really talk about it, uh, discussed something which is our own personal interaction with Bowie, because we've both met him. Uh, you don't even remember meeting him. Mm. Possibly, I would say, the greatest hero of your cultural life. Yeah. You can't even remember meeting no, him. No. Perhaps you'd like to explain that. Well, it's it's actually worse, isn't it? Because all everyone in my family has met him. Hang on, everyone uh, ev- in your family. Well, everyone in my how immediate... big is your family? There's three people. I'm talking <laughs> about my mum. I have a mum and dad and a brother. Okay, they've all met him. It'd be terrible if you had like a massive Mormon family <laughs> and 17 people they, have met him. They've, they've all met him. Remember, they all well specifically. They all remember meeting him. Right. I don't. Because you were, and I'm the one. You I went in a coma doing the podcast. I wasn't on that at that point in a coma, but. But there's two things. One is I asked my mum to verify this, so she's done this. So I've got right. an email. Okay. Got Can we get the email Jerry. from your mum? What's her name? Jerry Geraldine. Mm. Um, and Geraldine Hinks. Geraldine Hinks. That's exactly right. Okay. Set um, the scene. I used to live in. I was brought up in Scotland. Right. Uh, first eight years of my life, we lived in Scotland. I can hear it. Uh, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah. Um, in fact, I did have a you know I had a strong Scottish accent. Here we are. 
Um, not here we are, I'm about to do the Scottish accent. <laughs> yeah, I, thought you were. I thought that was you doing a Scottish accent. Here we are. I'm going to come out of my Scottish accent now because you probably can't tell exactly what I'm saying. I can't quite hear um, the tartan. So we, one sort of Saturday, we... I remember my mum telling me we went to this hotel somewhere in Edinburgh and we'd sort of met... Was it a drive-in? Well, I can... I can. This is what my mum told me, because I said, I think I'm sat next to Bowie. And it's so painful, this, because it's like, this is the best meeting I could ever imagine, right? Mm. This is Bowie, vintage Bowie. Mm. I was next to him. Okay. And I don't remember a thing about it. Okay. It was a Sunday morning, says my mum. We'd gone to look at the newly opened... You just said it was a Saturday. That's why I said, was it a drive-in? You've ruined that joke. (laughs) It was... um, it was, as I say, it was a Sunday. <laughs> it was a Sunday morning, and we'd gone to look. This is my mum. Gone to look at a, the newly opened Hilton Hotel near Edinburgh Zoo. You, sorry, now, you'd done what? We'd gone. <laughs> what to look kind at, of day out is that? <laughs> bear you in mind, gone to the zoo. There you'd is gone to the Hilton Hotel. Nothing to do in early seventies Edinburgh. Well, there's the zoo, but you'd gone to the hotel. I, I guess we'd done the zoo, or okay, we, we'd got. I mean, my mum and dad quite like architecture, and I mean, they're not the you know, they're, they're, so they okay. I, mean, I, I think I know that hotel. It's not even architecturally very interesting. But let's, let's well, you don't know that until you got there, do you? So <laughs> they go, they go there because there's no internet. So okay. we go to open it near Edinburgh Zoo to have breakfast there. Quite fancy, God, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that no, is quite fancy. We would never have done such a thing in Donisville. It, it was probably 1973. Okay, already that's exciting. Exactly. So we're in, the, and I think it was, by the way, we've established it was 73. So it's the okay. hot. We were the only people in the restaurant. When in walks Bowie and his entourage, and oh, it's almost really? unbelievable. Isn't That's it? unbelievable. So he was, he was very exotic with very yeah. red hair. I mean, yeah. now we're getting this is Ziggy. Yeah. Uh, and wearing colourful silk of some sort. Mm. The woman with him also had red hair and was equally colourful. That's Angie. Obviously, Angie. Yeah. Um, they must have given a concert the night before because they were all praising him. That's slight non sequitur, but I know what my mum means. All his entourage were paying him compliments, which this is this is where it gets a bit, mum gets a bit spiky. Okay. All his entourage were paying him compliments, which he then asked them to repeat. <laughs> which... Now there's a question I have to ask, yeah. there, which I'd like to ask your mum, but perhaps you yeah. won't know the answer. Mm. Which is, was he deaf or was no. he just in need of more praise? And it's sort of. And I would have thought, if you want yeah. more praise. Right, if you were insecure enough to want more praise, mm. and again, we have to as ever say we love Bowie, but let's imagine that he is just for the sake of this mm. scenario. Mm. Surely you wouldn't say, "Can you just repeat the compliment?" Surely mm. you would say, "Can you do the compliment again, but sort of mix it up yeah. a bit, like, and which, like which slightly rephrase it, so it doesn't just feel like yes. I didn't hear it the first time." And also, it implies that the entourage said you were brilliant last night, and they just started eating and just <laughs> ignoring him, which I also don't think. Yeah, but you've come up. I mean, you know, you have personally. No, hang on, hang on. I, 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 I don't want to. Are you going to talk about no, my I was say, but No, but I was going to say, you've come off stage. Oh, see, yes. Very big venues. And, work, yes. and you've got, and you presumably had an entourage. Quotes, what my mom got, I don't a, think I've ever really had an entourage. Some people around you I backstage. Should, yeah, yeah, I've, I've been to around. one of your things and seen yes, you. Yes, I've had backstage. people around backstage. And they say, like, entourage. David, you were brilliant. Have you ever thought, oh, could you just say that again? <laughs> have you ever felt like. <laughs> I don't think I have. I mean, I do like people. Like any performer, I have enough insecurity to say, to want people to say that was great. But I don't think I would ever say, yeah, I don't feel that I've quite covered the insecurity chasm with mm. that one saying. Mm. Can you just say that completely say again? Say again. Say how great mm. I was again. Mm. I, that seems a bit odd to me. Would you? Maybe would, it was a gag. Well, might you say, what about that bit? What do you think of that? Because maybe that's what mum's getting at. Do you know what I mean? You no, might say, but it sounds to me like your mum mm. is saying that he actually said... He fishing I mean, also, it. it's 973, OK? Yeah. So we can actually pinpoint something here, which is the type of praise it might have been. Mm. So, for example, it might have been... 
Is it is it post the seventy two breakup of the spiders? Yes. Well, seventy three is what my mum thinks. Yes. So, but so, hang on. But would he be? So might someone say, you know what, David, you were absolutely right to break up the spiders from Mars. Yeah. I know it was a shop, but this band is better. Yeah. And then David went, yeah. Can you say that again? Say that again, because <laughs> Mick Ronson can hear. Yeah, I've got him on the phone. Yeah. Say it again so he can hear. Woody Woodbansey, listen to this. <laughs> but, you wanted that pay rise? Now listen to this. <laughs> but would would. He wouldn't be touring as Ziggy at that point, would he? Because he must have been part of the Ziggy tour, so maybe it was 72, uh, thinking about it. Do you know what I mean? Well, must he, it have been? Because he started... Well, you know, he gave up touring, but then was touring again really yeah, quickly. But that that quickly, was just a lie about yeah, giving up. He just yeah. wanted to get rid of the band. Yeah. Because they wanted more money. I'm aware he did tour again after, yeah. <laughs> after <Yeah>. Ziggy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've got the right partner here, don't worry. I'm on that. <laughs> I think quite but, quickly, wasn't it? it was, maybe it was. It was I'm a, not... But what my mum... So my mum signs off is a very mum thing to say, generic. So we were fairly certain that they were all his band. Right. Maybe they all had guitar instruments <laughs> with them and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. But they were obviously... So there you are. So I'm sitting next as a five or six-year-old kid next to my hero, your hero. But then the sign-off, in, in order to... I should just tell you one thing. Jeff Laws, that's someone's name, is the headmaster of my old school. And right. my mum was also a teacher at the okay. comprehensive school, the Weald School. And mum signs off with this. Jeff Laws used to live next door to him and his mother in South London and reckons he was a noisy pain. <laughs> Love, Mum. <laughs> David was a noisy pain. A, a noisy pain. For his whole life, uh, in, in some South ways. London. Or I just in South young. London. I don't know, he was just a young that's child a, then. I have to say that's also an amazing coincidence, that your old headmaster lived next door to him in Brixton. And his mother, yeah. That's oh, That'd be Brixton, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I reckon or Bromley, a, Brixton or Bromley. Uh, just says South London. He was a noisy pain, but he was about eight. Of course he yeah, was. Of course he was a noisy pain. Well, as a headmaster of a school, you'd think he'd be more tolerant of it. Like, <laughs> well, you know Jeff Lord, I he don't. Was, he was a very nice man. Was he? You no, know, he's, he's... He's gone down in my estimation. He's no longer with us, David. Okay, well, I'm sorry uh, about that. And actually, no, hang on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mrs Lord. Apparently he's fine. Actually, I'm genuinely not sure what's terrible. Okay, we don't know. I'm if sure. you're out there, Jeff, do write in and tell us how you are. Uh, well, that's an amazing story, but you have no memory of that. Absolutely no memory of that at all. I remember, I remember literally Scotland till I was eight. I remember sledging in the snow. I remember Mrs. Easter. My English. In other words, I remember stuff. Who cares? Right. I don't remember the one extraordinary life. I quite like the sound of Mrs. Easter. She was cool. <laughs> yeah. She was good. You know. I mean, was... I, I had a very embarrassing incident. I'm going to talk about my meeting yeah. with Bo. But so, I hadn't met Bowie, and I was in showbiz, and you know. Uh, I'd met quite a lot of people mm. and was always kind of thought like, oh, it'd be great to meet him, but then hadn't. And he was, it was a period of time actually when he was pretty reclusive anyway, when I might have met him. Uh, and then Jonathan Ross, who is a friend of mine, was at the time still doing his Radio 2 show before that slightly blew up due to an unfortunate incident. I recall it. Um, and uh, he used to invite me on and do that show a lot. And actually, I think Jonathan was pretty key in resuscitating. Uh, the sort of coolness of mm. Bowie, because there was a point in time Stuck with him, in the he? 90s when he sort of wasn't <clears throat> very cool. <clears throat> and Jonathan always played Bowie. And actually, I remember saying to him in the mid-90s, why don't you play When You Rock and Roll With Me uh, from Diamond Dogs, which is one of my absolute favourite yes. Bowie songs. And then he did that Saturday, that Saturday morning. And I remember listening to it at home thinking, A, I'm really pleased that he played it, but B, Bowie will never be uncool. I don't care yes. what what his present status is in yes. culture. How incredible is this song? Even though he sort of burps on when you rock and roll. Does me. he? I've always well, we're going to have to listen to that. I've always thought it's like a, he sort of burps. Sold us for the likes of you. I always wanted you. Right, coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. 
Okay, that is not a burp. <laughs> it's not a burp. It's, it's not, a it's it's not, not a growl. It's well, I, think <laughs> I know it's, what you mean. It's not. If you think burp and listen to it, it definitely delivers. <laughs> <laughs> It's got elements of burp. It's neo burp, isn't it? There's definitely burp. I know what you mean. If you're thinking burp, I think it's four. It says he's gone very low on four U to rent four. I I think it's at the bottom of his range. So he's thinking, I'll make a thing of this. Yeah. Right. By by going. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's a good point. It's a good point. It's definitely always stood out to me. He hasn't ruined the song for me, so that's good. It shouldn't do. It's a brilliant, brilliant song. It's a brilliant song. So anyway, so there I was thinking, you know, Jonathan Ross is correctly uh, keeping the legacy of Bowie alive. Yeah. Then, I think late 90s, early 2000s, when Bowie started re-emerging and doing in- interviews and stuff, he has Bowie on. So I, Jonathan rings me up and says, look, I know you did, you did the show quite recently, but do you want to come in again? And I said, why? And he said, oh, because David Bowie's on. I said, right, okay, well, def- oh, yeah. definitely. So I go in, I'm doing it. it was, remember, it was on a Saturday morning, it's live. Yeah. And I'm doing my bit, and then I see Bowie in the control room, because I'm being interviewed by Jonathan, and you can see through the control room, and there he is. And I'm, I did Jonathan's show so often that I was never at all nervous on Jonathan's show. I just used to chat. But I found myself getting nervous because I thought, oh, yeah. God, I don't know what to mm. say to Bowie. You know, how extraordinary. Uh, anyway, so then my bit's over. I, I, he plays a record and I go into the control room while the record is playing. And I am still tongue-tied. And then Bowie says to me, hello, David. Wow. And I nearly came in my pants. Mm, yeah, Just yes. the fact that Bowie chose to address mm. me first. Mm. And uh, admittedly, it's not a stretch for David. We've got the same name. He has just seen a bit of me being interviewed. And you know what? I'm going to say this. I think he did actually know who I was anyway, because Bowie, I'm, I'm aware of, was a comedy fan. Yes. And much later on, uh, that thing at the V&A that I did, uh, which I think you can't Yeah, I did, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 he the, had one of his people there. And that person said to me, oh, no, I've sent him videos of you and Rob Newman and stuff like that because yeah. he used to keep up with British comedy. It didn't, none of that matters, though. Just that in that moment, I was very young. I felt very young. Yes. And I felt like here was this person who I've admired for so many years acknowledging me first, like yeah, an unbelievable no. thing. That's an incredible um, thing. Yeah, and, and it was, was really he, marvellous. And was he... And what else, and Well, then it went a bit wrong because he right. then told loads of jokes. And uh, although some of them were funny, some of them weren't. Well, literally joke like... No, not like, not, like, not like a bloke walks into a bar. <laughs> not, right. not like, uh, you know, oh, here's one. <laughs> no, right. no, he was just bantering. And what I noticed was, even though the banter was perfectly fine was that the entourage, he did, he did have an entourage, were laughing at absolutely everything. Yes. And I found myself unable to quite join well, in. this is my that. mum's point. So his entourage at that point are basically laughing. Well, he and didn't he's at saying, any point. Could you laugh again? <laughs> no, to be fair to David, he didn't get a big laugh and then tell the joke again and say, you've got, you've got to laugh again. Exactly the same. <laughs> but he didn't do that. He was, he was, uh, he just, it was just standard banter. Yeah. But I had a sense. But like what? I mean, I know you I can't remember any of the jokes. But just like. All so, I can remember is him saying, hello, David. Right, right. That's it. That yeah. blasted like a nuclear bomb Incredible. through my sort of yes. history and ego. And that's all I can remember. But I do remember after that sitting around with him and feeling like, I think I'm just going to take that away. That's my takeaway. Of course, yeah. Not like a food yeah, <laughs> from, from yeah, this. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to remember that moment and yeah. the banter, the slightly awkward banter, I'm, I'm, that's not going to be part of it for me. Uh, so that was it. That's I did see him yeah. on stage uh, a few times and in, mm. in one particular, like the BBC, he did that gig at the BBC yeah. and I was there for that. But anyway, that was my big meeting Bowie. So, however, I think we can expand this now. Yes. Because you've had a meeting with one of your big heroes, Paul McCartney. And before you tell that story, Mm. something you said earlier reminded me of something where I didn't take my own advice, which I was on a flight 
Uh, it was a first-class flight. I've done that. Uh, and Keith Richards was there. I'm a, a huge fan of Keith Richards. Right. Uh, but I was aware also of like being slightly worried about speaking to Keith Richards because he's also obviously a bit of a wild man of rock. And I'd been in the lounge with him and wanting to say something and then thought, well, no, I'll leave it. So then I'm on the flight mm. and literally in first class, it's basically mm. just me and Keith Richards and whoever his person, his woman was at the time. Right. And I'm watching a film and Fool to Cry by the Rolling Stones. I'm aware com- of it. Comes on the soundtrack. And I love that song. And clearly I wanted to speak to Keith Richards, but I took this as a sign. I took this as a thing that meant, you know what? I should go and speak to him. God has sort of said, look, here's one of their songs playing. Sure, yeah. It's given you an opening. That's the most rational response to that, without doubt. <laughs> so I go over I can't to think what else would be middle happening. of the night. It's like four o'clock on a flight back from New York. <laughs> He's sort of half asleep with his wife. I sort of tap him on the shoulder. I know this is stupid and wow. daft, by the way, everyone who's listening. And I say, oh, Keith, ah, just thought you might like to know. I was just watching a film and they played Fool to Cry. And, and, and then I didn't know what to say because that, sort of, yeah, exactly. that was sort of it. And he just went, yeah. And that then carried on looking, talking to his and wife or whatever, and I just felt such a twat and went back. I mean, to that, my seat. and looking at you saying, "Yeah,", yeah. he wasn't even. He just said, it was was it? like he sort of shrugged his shoulders and like, "Yeah, what, <laughs> what do you want me to do about it? Acknowledge my royalties here and now." Like wow. it was really like terrible. How did you did you recover? I mean, that well, here's how, how I feel? recovered mm. from it, and it's weird the circles that are involved in this story mm. because it also involves Fool to Cry. Yes, and it's many years later, and I am at a posh party on election night whenever the election was last year was it the year before uh, yes year it was before. last year no it's the year before now yes i see what you mean uh and uh i'm at a posh party and when i mick, say i see what you mean you're right yeah mick jagger is there who i have met a couple of times and it's actually very nice and actually quite easy to talk to in many ways easier than keith anyway and uh i'm there with him and I think it's okay to say this now because it's actually been in the mail, which is that uh, he was sort of canoodling mm. with this young woman who was there. Mm. And let's not go on about the age difference. That's not the important part of the story, right? So he's sort of canoodling with her. And I'm talking to her. I'm in a, it's quite a small room. That's going I, on. Do you know, I came in me. not long after it, didn't I? Of course you were there. So, I, mean, I, didn't, I forgot I, you were there. No, but I came at the... Te- you, were you actually in the room? No, it just happened. And you told me what you're about to tell uh, okay. an expected okay, world. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm talking to a woman, uh, not the woman who's canoodling with him, an American woman. And the woman starts telling me about her son, I think, and complaining about her son in a kind of friendly way and saying, oh, my son, he's a bit of an idiot, he's a bit of a fool, and he cries all the time. And then she starts singing Fool to Cry really loudly over my shoulder, Mm. kind of at Mick Jagger. Mm. And she doesn't stop. She does the whole thing. Baby, you're a fool to cry. She gives it everything. So eventually, what's brilliant about it, Mick Jagger has to stop. He's canoodling, sort of look over, just and sort of go, ha yeah, right? <laughs> and then carry on. And it was amazing. And the reason I thought it was amazing is that this woman was a little bit sort of loud and brash, but I did think she's cracked something there, which is that all the rest of us, when we're yes. in a room with, say, Mick Jagger, we pretend that we don't want to say, ah, you're Mick Jagger. Yes. You know, you wrote Satisfaction. We want to yeah. be twats in yeah. front of these people. And she had just done it. She did. And, and I sort of loved her for that. Yeah. Anyway, the sort of second part of the story is that was then printed in the mail on Sunday or something. Was that yeah, like, no, because I, yeah. I have told this story on another podcast, on Ricky Gervais's right. podcast. And they made it seem like I'd just uh, gone to the mail with this bit of tittle tattle about Mick Jagger getting off with a young girl. 
like because they didn't put in all the extra yes. bits or whatever. So I was like, oh, that's a bit embarrassing. I wish they hadn't done that. Uh, but anyway, they do stuff like that. So then I'm at another party that you were probably at as well. No, no, this you is weren't. I'm not in Yevgeny's party. Yes, I, I know this is making me sound like a cunt, <laughs> but don't worry. I don't care for the moment because I want to get to the end of the story. Right. So I'm at another posh bloody showbiz party. And he is there. And I say to a friend of mine, oh, I'm a bit worried that Mick Jagger may have seen that in the mail and may hate me. And she goes like, no, he won't have even noticed it. It's Mick Jagger. He's got like a thousand things written about him. So I think, oh, okay. Then he comes over and he says, why did you say that thing Mate, in the yeah, mail? He really right? And he's not exactly really furious, but like really like, you know, I thought we were sort of slightly like getting on and, and you, you bloody told the mail. And I said, no, I didn't. I told the story on the podcast, the one I've just told you. And then I told him the story and he really laughed. And the thing is, I was then able to say to Mick Jagger, yes. I d- you probably know this, Mick, but I don't know if anyone said it to you, when everyone meets you, what they want to do is not have a normal chat with you about, I don't know, oh, here we are, the politics, whatever. They all want to say, ah, you're Mick Jagger. That, you wrote Satisfaction. Yeah. And I actually went, duh, duh, <laughs> duh, 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 and he really laughed. And for wow, me... So you smuggled it in really perfectly. You were able to do what we all want to do yeah. under the guise of telling him that's what we all want to do. It was irony at its best. Yes, it was double-layered irony, yes. really Ir- working for Irony me. working for you. Yeah, that's really working irony. for me. And... And it sort of healed the Keith Richard moment. That's yes, what I'm saying. Yes, I is see. that I was finally over yes. the clunking awfulness of actually yes. having gone up to Keith Richards and also got on about yes. fool to cry, yes. like this woman did. And yeah, Mick Jagger really laughed about it. He did then say, in a slightly old man way, that is funny, uh, but you should remember that when you're doing stuff publicly and you're talking about real people, that you know sometimes you know there are oh. people, other people mm. involved, and they you know blah blah blah. Mm. And I thought. That's that's the seventy four year old coming out. So there did you just bit. go anyway? Never mind about that. Yeah. yeah. So there we go. Well, I'm um, going to have to ask you now, since I know we've got off the point to tell your Paul McCartney story. I'm going to tell you that, um, but I've decided unilaterally to have a small musical break. Yes, let's do that. Um, well, we can play a bit of Satisfaction. You met, I, I mean, I've I've been uh, singing it, <laughs> not very well. So here it is. Uh, oh no! Hang on. This is Benny Benassi's version. <laughs> Who is Spotify Benny Spotify is a great level. Should we just isn't it? listen to this? What is this? Benny Benassi's satisfaction. It's almost certainly. I've not. I don't know who Benny Benassi is. No, I don't. Is. Push me and then just touch me till I can get my satisfaction. Push me and then just touch me. I quite like it. Yeah, I remember this. I remember this. Do you? I'm pretty sure I remember this. Satisfaction. Do you think people go up to Benny Benassi and say, hey, you're Benny Benassi, you wrote, my satisfaction. <laughs> I think that's what the Stones covered, isn't it? Is what I remember. And Yeah, that's what they were after. Back to the right. Yeah, they never home. quite yeah. managed to get it. It's like a reverse that. Richard Ashcroft. Um, <laughs> I don't think we need to play the Stones now. Why do we love Bowie so much? When I really first started getting into him and realising that um, this is not really about ooh, what lyrics, you've always misunderstood lyrics, we've all done that, it can be quite fun. It's more about how he says things and sings things and sometimes it's quite puzzling. And we've talked before about how Bowie's doesn't seem that comfortable with his own voice sometimes, even mm. though other times he's an absolute master of it and it's what makes him so interesting. And on five years, mm. there's two words he put, says, but I'm trying not to say the thing, that always, I just could never work out what he was saying and it's really obvious now, but it was a quirk that I love. There's a million examples of it. Okay. But I think I'm going to Let's hear it up and I think you'll know, you probably already know. No, I don't know what you're okay. going to say. Girl my age went off her head. That. What Girl is my it? age went off my head. Girl what? Girl my age went off her right. head. I mean, I know that's what it is. Yeah. 
but really, it's girl mage. And <laughs> I always... Okay, let's hear it again. It's girl mage. Okay, let's hear it again. And I thought it was some... I mean, I'll be honest with you, I thought it was going to be more quizzical than <laughs> no, that. It's more quizzical than the fact that he just runs together the words my no, and but he age. Doesn't. But he do- well, he doesn't. It, I always thought... i tell you what, I always thought it was almost like an Elizabethan girl mage. It was no, like, like some a type shape. of girl have mate. Girl mage went off ahead. No. Girl I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, Jim. It's clearly girl my age. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, uh, you that's know, because you, that's because it is, and yeah, you know it. Yeah, that, that is because it is. And and it's no. I mean, hang like, on, let me try one. Just 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 think about girl like mage. The burp is much better than this. Girl mage. Girl mage. <laughs> it's not girl my age. It's clearly girl my age. And if it's not, it's just him saying it quite quickly. So I mean, what? it's literally like the least quizzical thing. Okay. I know this is a bit parochial, but how come I always thought it was girl mage <laughs> for you're, years? Because you're wrong. <laughs> but it's an interesting thing that we do we do spot these things and we do hold on to them for many years and then it turn out that actually he's saying girl mage. Can I try another one then? Teenage wildlife. Okay, Teenage Wildlife, I don't know like I know five years, so okay, it might surprise me more than that. I don't know. I'm, that didn't I'm, really surprise me, I'm a bit, like I was hoping it might. I feel a bit like that ice skater in the in the Olympic. I feel like I'm going on again to the course and I'm just going to fall off again. It <laughs> yeah. takes a lot of guts what I mean, I'm doing. I was really thinking, God, I know five years incredibly well. What is this weird, quizzical thing I've never noticed well, before? Girl Mage girl is mage. what it is. Currently it was Girl Mage. <laughs> <laughs> it was Bowie saying Girl My Age like he always has. Teenage Wildlife is on Scary Monsters. Definitely one of my favourite yeah, tracks. Yeah, it's an amazing track. Amazing track. And his vocal performance on it is, is all incredible. over the place and incredible. And there is a genuine bit, which I haven't got the lyrics with me, where he, I think, I may be wrong, he just embraces the fact that everyone says, what's David really saying? What's the message? Where he just talks utter nonsense. And it's extraordinary. And I'm going to try and find it because it's just, you just literally don't know what he's talking about. He <laughs> <laughs> literally does... That, yeah, well, that, what that, that is... That is a drunk... Imp- that's that, a drunk... Well, that's Bowie making Bowie noises. Yes. That's Bowie doing an impression of Bowie. Do you hear the, dr- the drunk bit at the end is incredible. It's just... <laughs> Did he actually, in the studio, forget the words? Because that's what it sounds like. I think... It sounds like he's in the studio, where obviously he could just have the words yes. with him. He still forgot them, and he just went... Rrr, rrr, rrr. It's sort he's, of pub singer, Bowie, It's pub singer, it? exactly. Yeah. It's Vic Reeves' pub singer. Yeah. And he, I like that one. Do you know just, what the lyrics are meant to be? Uh, girl mage, <laughs> I think. I am going to have to ask you, since we were talking earlier about uh, our heroes and meeting our heroes, about because Paul McCartney mm. essentially is almost up there with you for Bowie. Yeah, I'd with say... With Bowie. He's pulled on the same pedestal. For yeah, you. definitely. And I think in my mind, I rationalise it by thinking my favourite group is the Beatles. I mean, mm. it's like like I'm 10. Like, yeah, who cares? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, no one has actually yeah, asked no me. No to, How do you justify it, Tim? Um, <laughs> the Beatles are my favourite group and Bowie's my favourite solo singer and then okay. I don't have to worry about who I like more, right? OK, although Paul McCartney is a solo yes, artist. Yes, but I think I think about him being my favourite one of the Beatles. Right. But and Bowie was in the Conrads. He was in the Conrads, who annoyingly are my favourite band of all time, so it does fall apart. Um, but McCartney's out there. In fact, I remember someone saying, like, you know that thing about who would your dream dinner party be that people, mm. you know? And I was oh, that's really easy. I said, it'd be Bowie and McCartney. And they said, no, no, but you could have, like, anyone, Nelson Mandela. No, 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 that's, that would be great. That would be <laughs> so, yeah, so, I don't think it would be, because I don't know if they got on that well. <laughs> I'd really try and make sure they did, but yes. Well, I, I, know, I, you, I know you would I cater really, it. I think I'd be good at that. You would certainly make it nice, yeah. but I just worry that, uh, you know, he was closer to John, I think, what with fame and stuff like that. And yes. we all know that Paul's still got issues with John. 
Yeah, um, he, so I don't he, know. He, uh, well, I don't think it's going to happen. No, by the way, it's not going to happen now. So, but um, uh, tell your story about meeting Paul because there's an element of that that I think we have to unpack. Yeah, well, and it's very similar to your. It's just funny because it took place on a plane, mm. as, as, as your Keith Richards wanted. And uh, so, yeah, basically, I used to travel quite a lot between New York and London in my previous uh, job, and I got on the plane from New York to to, to London, and I'm sitting down, and I'm sort of slightly aware. I don't know, there's something, there's a bit of fuss next to me, but I'm not really concentrating. I'm reading, I don't know, Mojo right. doing something about Pink Floyd and whatever, you know. And You're not, not reading really, the in-flight magazine? I'm not at that point. <laughs> okay. I will be later, there's no question. <laughs> yeah. so, so I'm sitting there th- aware of it, and I look around, and there's no easy way for m- me to process this. I think, mm-hmm. I know what the fuss is. Paul McCartney is sitting next to me, and it's right. just that. It just hits me, you know. Right. And there's an aisle. Right next to you, an aisle Well, there's an aisle, you. and then he's next one along yeah. with his daughter, B, I think. Okay, you yeah. Know, yeah, Heather... Thingy's daughter. Yeah, exactly. Um, McCartney's? Well, McCartney um, at the time, yeah, but not anymore. Uh, exactly. So the two of them are together, but he's right next to me with a small gap. And people are sort of filing through because they're coming through the whole front from the front of the plane. Sorry. I know what happened. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then it takes off. He's yeah. It's amazing. It's, but even though it's really heavy. It's miraculous. It's like made of metal. I don't understand it? how that happens. Unbelievable. Yeah, maybe it only happens when Paul McCartney's on because he's kind of miraculous. It definitely did happen when he was on, so I think you're right. And I remember my first thought was, as a, you would appreciate, maybe you were the same with Keep My first thought, oh, shit, this is awful because seven hours with my hero and at some point I'm obviously going to try and talk to him and yeah. oh, with the sort of inevitability. A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Whether he was feeling it too, I don't know. But <laughs> did you I have was. the lightning strike? <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> annoyingly didn't. Um, so I was just thinking, well, I'm definitely going to speak to him. And in that way, you know, in that way where you can understand we're all on the line that leads us to f- mad fan and mm. beyond. Yeah. I remember thinking, well, don't, maybe don't bother him, don't talk to him. And then I thought, this is my conversation in my head. Yeah, but I've always basically championed him as the cooler Beatle. Right. And, and also, he's my favourite person from a band. And he's my favourite person from a band. Even though David Bowie's my favourite artist. Yes, exactly. <laughs> all think, that. I don't know. So I think I've got a really tight intellectual argument. I love about the idea, why. sorry, that, that you thought, I've always championed him against the tide of mainstream opinion that he's the cooler <laughs> Beatle. I think I deserve, therefore, That's my point, yeah. some thanks Seriously? directly no. from him for that. No, and I, and I used to listen, I'd listen to Wings. I mean, and so, it, exactly, I'm yeah. building up that thing about... I have a sort of right here to talk yeah. to him. And I thought, God, that's really scary, isn't it, that you yeah. think that? Yeah. Uh, but I did. You absolutely and did. And so I thought, OK, well, I'm just going to get on with it. He seemed very um, open. You know, he was sort of chatting to people. Before I could do it, I caught his eye and he said, hello, or all no. right, or something. So I'm so, I, I think I've got my moment. Now, what I didn't say was at some point, really early on, he has a guitar with him. And then when I look again, he's not got it. So he's, he's, he's on board with an acoustic guitar in wow. a case. And then it's not there anymore. Okay, it sounds like a dream now, but yeah, no, but it's, assumed it's, it wasn't. It's definitely real, and I've got some. I took a surreptitious photo. Oh, did you? Yeah, so I got. Oh, blimey! Yeah, so he says hello, and I think right, I'm in, and my, all my instincts are just now ask something, mm. and of course, what would you, you know, is it? How did you come up with yesterday? Is it, you know, what was John? Whatever it was, I actually said, "Where is your guitar?" Right, because it had vanished. Because he had it and he didn't. Yeah, and I think, and as I'm. I think I think well, I don't know why I'm asked, but that's what's come out. Yeah, and he said, um, "It's in the locker." Yeah, it's a reasonable thing to say on an airplane. And you would think an absolute conversation killer. Yeah, because I've asked him a piece, a piece of information. He's given me the factual answer to that to that question. We're done, yeah. and I think, oh my god, it's gone as badly as it could go. Yeah, and time to move on. 
What I actually then do is I think, and I suppose... I don't think that is that bad, by the way. I think, remember my fool to cry moment with Keith Richards. Much worse. But at least you're talking about fool to cry. I've literally asked him about practically where has he stowed a piece of luggage, (laughs) which... In fact, it sounds a bit like you're working for the airline and you're (laughs) worried he might be a terrorist. Also... Like like that case that apparently had a guitar, in inverted commas, (laughs) where is it now, Paul McCartney, so-called? But also, in case it needs spelling out, I couldn't give a toss what he'd done with no, it, but I don't care what he did with it, no. and yet I'm asking him. But there is that, that's what we're talking about. There is a kind of yeah. panic that sets in. It's panic. As I had when, just before I saw yeah. Bowie not knowing what to say. Yes. That you think, like, so what I, am I going to say? I panicked. Yeah, you panicked, and you but, said, where's the guitar? And he's told me where it is, which is exactly, I want anything but. where it is. I don't want to know where it is, I no. want anything but. I want him to say, hey, do you want to come session music? Do you want to come and live with me forever? Do you want that's to, yeah. what you want. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to go through every one of my songs now on the plane and play them and I'll so, but I then think, right, I've just, I, I can't let this... You can't leave it there. Can't leave it there. It's not so, enough. It's not enough. It's not when you've championed him as the coolest Beatle for your which, whole life. Which he knows and would be he grateful He knows for. that in some yeah. uh, alternative yeah. universe. So, as it happens that day, I'd read a piece in the New York Times about a woman who had got old, found some old photographs of the Beatles when they first went to Miami, as it was, you know, 1964. Mm. And she'd found them in her attic and they'd done a sort of little photo spread. And how fortuitous, because I said to him, oh, by the way... I saw some photos of you uh, today. You, you guys, I mean, you guys, or something. I said. So I'm now talking. I'm literally now talking about the Beatles <laughs> yeah. uh, when you first came to America. Now it gets very slightly better because he said, admittedly, it's about as banal as the question I asked. Where did you see them? <laughs> and I replied, the New York Times. <laughs> if you're sitting in the locker, you've got a big laugh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I should have done. And he said, oh, no, I, I, sorry. And then I said, you look like you're having a good time. Right. So I'm now talking about, and he said, and this is all I've got, right, in a way, he said, we had a good time all the time back then. Yeah, well, a little bit spinal tap. Yeah, a little but, bit but, spinal tap, but, but also kind of cool. Brilliant. Kind of he's Paul talk- McCartney cool. Paul McCartney cool. He's kind talking about upbeat. the Beatles. Yeah. You can see the thumbs up as he yeah. said it a little yeah. bit, yeah. And so I felt really good about that. And then he said, I'll get the guitar down later if you want, or yeah. something like that, yeah. which, of course, is the moment I'm thinking, oh, my God. Yeah. And I, instead of... Because it's so good hearing that, yeah. and it almost is, like, too good, yeah. I say, tell you what, better to keep the noise down. Yeah. No, I think this and, is the key thing. And he yeah. didn't say anything. All right. That, I think well, he just... No, I don't... But I don't think he turned well, away. I'm sorry, look, here's the point, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this. Tim has told me this story before, and he's told me it with a total sense of, so that was what happened... <laughs> And I instantly said, well, hold on a minute. I get the impression that Paul McCartney, who I don't think of as a massive <laughs> man of irony anyway, uh, might have meant it. know him like I do. He might have absolutely meant it. I, mean, I thought, oh, well, he's a fan. He was looking at the, uh, us guys Christ, having a good time all I the time. I so hope that's not he, true. You know, he's clearly a Beatles fan. Mm. I'm Paul McCartney. It's an eight-hour flight. I'll get the guitar out. I'll offer him. I'll offer that mm. up. Mm. He said, no, let's keep the noise. <laughs> he doesn't. And Paul McCartney's just thinking, oh, all right then. And he's just gone back to I don't, not doing it that. Didn't feel I, like, yeah. I think you have to seriously consider the idea that what I absolutely mm. think is a funny thing to do, mm. can I say? Mm. That that's a really funny thing to do. Mm. It's a funny thing to say. Mm. Paul McCartney might not have got it. <laughs> and he might have actually thought, oh, I have been turned down an offer of a private gig in this aeroplane. I'm willing to open to that possibility, but... If you're listening, Paul, mm. can you get in touch? Well... Uh, and, and tell us whether or not you were prepared to play yesterday for Tim Hinks by himself on the aeroplane. I mean, like all our most important interactions in life, I meant the opposite, didn't I? That's the thing. I basically, instead of, I should have said, that's the best thing I've ever heard, please play it, but I yeah. couldn't bring myself to do it. I didn't get the feeling he didn't, 
find it funny or anything. I do think there's something else going on, though, mm. Tim, as well, which is, you know, you're a very funny bloke, but all, and also you're kind of instinctively funny. You often come up with, like, a line very quickly. Could you repeat that, please? Yes. <laughs> you're a... <laughs> So you've done it again, yeah? And I think you thought of something funny and you couldn't stop yourself couldn't from stop saying it. it. Wasn't that that as well I'd like on? to think... I'd, I, it wasn't just that you thought, well, he doesn't mean I, that and I should just, I like... Know, yeah. I Maybe, think you I thought know. of something funny and that slightly trumped... The thing of like, well, what if he's going to play a song for me? Maybe, maybe that's right. Maybe that was more important. Maybe it was more important. I thought afterwards, what I really wanted him to say is, hey, you're just like John. You're taking the piss. Let's form a band together. That's really what I wanted. <laughs> Let's form a band together where you're the slightly sharp one and I'm the entertainer. Yeah. Because I think... You know, yeah, well, that might have happened, you see. That's the other thing you have to consider is that if he'd played the yeah. guitar... And then you, who he didn't know this at the time, yes. but you yourself play the guitar, so yes. you'd, you'd played him a song, mm. you'd played him perhaps mm. Symmetry in the Cemetery, which is a song you wrote <laughs> when you were a teenager that you told me earlier, right? And I think that sounds a bit like a Paul McCartney song. It sounds a bit like mm. a song from Flaming Pie, mm. Symmetry in the Cemetery. He might have thought, you know what? It's not all over for me and bands yes. and for me and co-writing. Mm. Hinks and McCartney. Mm. Actually, I mean, he, would, he would have asked for McCartney Hinks this time round. I mean, honestly, I would have said fine. Off. I totally would have said that's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> honestly, I'll go with McCartney Hinks. In I don't the, mind. I imagine in quite unlikely possibility that happened, I would definitely say. I'd say you don't even have my name on it if you want. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm not first. I'll, I'll be a sleeping partner. But I think... So he didn't say anything. No, he didn't say... And I think the idea that he felt... But I, don't, I don't think he's thinking, do you mind if I ask you, you're a sort of guy in your late 40s, are you by any chance a Beatles fan? Yeah. He's not. He knows everyone is. Yeah, although so, actually, we must move on. Okay, so look, let's. This has become a podcast about meeting our pop heroes, our rock and pop heroes. So let's go with that. And I'm going to tell you about my, meeting Morrissey, who's uh, got many connections with Bowie, mm. supported Bowie on, in a tour in early on yeah. in 2000 and something. I can't remember when it was. Do you know when the tour was? I don't know when the Morrissey tour was. And I like your reference of early on in the 2000s. It was early on. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> me, wrong. Early, early on, on is 1967. When? Early on in the century. Uh, so anyway. I've met Morrissey on two occasions, and he's sort of exactly what you might expect right. in many ways, uh, in that he's extremely awkward in, like, a brilliant Morrissey way. It's like you feel on tenterhooks all the time. And he, he's constantly making cultural references you don't really know. Uh, and last okay. time I met him, he started talking about some drag artist from the 1950s who he said called Mrs. Burwen or something, Mrs. So Burwen. You're on home something. turf on that one, but yeah. usually usually it's a bit sort of hard to get, is it? No, yeah. it was like a drag artist in the 1950s. He said she's the best comedian, British comedian of all time, this drag artist. Right. Uh, and obviously committed suicide in the 60s. So he's like very uh, deliberately obscure and uh, he's very, very like, like a big figure and you're worried about what he thinks all the time. Anyway, I, uh, the first time I, I met him, I had probably, I think, more embarrassing than the... He's Keith. very big, right, by the way? He's, he's tall, tall though, yeah. He's very, yeah, yeah. Probably more embarrassing, embarrassing than the Keith Richards moment. Bloody hell. Uh, it also involved Jonathan Ross. It was at Jonathan Ross's house. Uh, and he invited uh, a bunch of people around for dinner and Morrissey. And we were all very on tenterhooks. And Morrissey does come with a certain amount of demands. So including the fact that no meat was allowed, not just right. on the table, in the house. Like, the whole house had to be cleared of meat. We weren't allowed to wear leather shoes. <laughs> How much meat does Jonathan have hanging around his house that isn't in the kitchen? A, he's got a big house with an abattoir, so it's complicated. <laughs> uh, take all that meat out of the spare bedroom. That, all that meat had to go. Uh, and uh, he also arrives with two ladies of a certain age who seem to sort of, like, sort everything out for him. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're, okay. like, sort of maiden aunts, uh, and they, okay. like, they sort out Morris's stuff and make sure everything's all right for Morrissey. Where do they time. sit during... Do they sit they were at the table. Mm, they were right. serving Morrissey. So they would, they, they would give Morrissey <laughs> his, like... 
red cabbage or whatever it was. Non-meat food. Yeah. But not and eat themselves. Presumably. They wouldn't eat Morrissey's food. Oh yeah, they would no, eat they, themselves. They, yeah, no, they you, yeah. they would basically serve Morrissey. Well, I think sort of like just to check that there's no meat anywhere. I don't know what, or possibly because Morrissey likes to be served. Anyway, he talked about many things. But at the end of the night, I found myself... I mean, this is unbelievably embarrassing. Found myself just me and Morrissey. Everyone else had disappeared. Even the two maiden aunts had disappeared. And I was just with Morrissey. And it had been quite a difficult evening in some respects. Mm. But I thought, you know what, I do think he's brilliant. I think he's incredible, incredible artist. And I really love the Smiths and I really love a lot of his solo work. I'm just going to tell him. A bit like similar to mm. what you said about Paul McCartney and Mick Jagger and obviously David yeah. Bowie. You know, you just think at some level, I just want to express my yeah. admiration and love of this person. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But remember, it's Morrison. So, uh... Give him a sausage. Pardon? No, there's no sausages involved. I said to him, I just want to say, you know, I really, really think you're brilliant and you've done amazing stuff and I really love your work and it's really meant a lot to me and I just want you to know that I'm so honoured to meet you. And I thought he said, Neil, right? <laughs> I thought, oh my that's God. a bit weird. And then I thought, oh, okay, he's going along with a kind of joke. He's sort of making a joke, which is <laughs> David Baddiel's being really, really kind of sycophantic and like yeah. really, really like praising. So I'm going to pretend I'm like a king or an emperor and I want him to <laughs> kneel and say it again, okay? So I started to kneel. Right, I oh thought, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go with this. <laughs> don't, really, don't really get it. But, and he's a tall bloke anyway, so you wouldn't have thought he needed me to kneel, but I did. Wow. I started to kneel. And you're moving your chair I, I honestly back thought and... that was a joke. And he went, no, 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 kneel. And then I realised <laughs> that he was saying, and I just missed the bit because he speaks really quietly, he was saying, I'm not Neil. Meaning, it was, it was a joke, I'm not Neil Morrissey. That was his joke, wow. right? You've missed because he was slightly embarrassed, I think, by me going on like yeah. this. And, and to be fair to Morrissey, <laughs> it, to try and deflect my over-the-top praise, 
He did a joke, yeah. which was, I think you're mixing me up with Neil Morrissey. That's the joke. That's a good joke. That's a good joke yeah. and would have been fine as a little bit, but unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't hear it properly. <laughs> I thought he was asking me to kneel. Right? So I started to kneel oh and he had God. to say, no, 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 no. And I explained it and I still didn't quite hear. And about the third time I thought, oh, I see, he's saying I'm not Neil Morrissey, right? I mean, really. How, how far did you get in your kneel? Quite far. I mean, like, I was like, like, like people coming one... in would have thought David's proposing. <laughs> <laughs> to get back to Bowie, hmm. Morrissey did in fact say something rather controversial about Bowie during that dinner party, which is he proposed the idea, and they did fall out very badly right. on that tour. I believe they fell out because Morrissey was never happy about the way that they switched from support to main act, as it were, because I'm not sure Morrissey ever saw himself as a support. And on that tour, you may know this, Morrissey would finish his set and he didn't get applause. There was no end of Morrissey's set. He was singing some song and he would stop singing it. He would sort of go off and Bowie would just come on and, and, and carry on singing. And that was how they elided the two acts, you know. And there was never a moment of like, oh, Morrissey's finished. Right. And I think Morrissey, as far as I understand it, started to get pissed off with that and felt he never got his moment on that tour. And he, yes. and he stopped touring with Bowie okay. uh, as a result that. of that. And they fell out. So anyway, after that, I'm at dinner with Bowie. Uh, with, not with Bowie. I'm at dinner with Morrissey. We haven't had the terrible Neil moment yet. But he starts addressing the table on the subject of David Bowie. And this is what he says. Right. He says, I used to love David Bowie, and he's well documented as absolutely right. idolising Bowie absolutely, in, yeah. in the sort of 70s. Yeah. I used to love David Bowie. But then during the 70s, the thing about David Bowie, during the 70s, he says, he was a homosexual. And this is, that's actually how he pronounced it. He said he was a homosexual act. He was a homosexual musician. And then after the 80s, after the 70s, in the 80s, he's a heterosexual musician. And the implication is, therefore, right. shit. Therefore, no good anymore. Now, I think there's a lot, to be, lot of things to be said about that. Not mm. least, well, I don't think he was. I mean, I think what he was was playing with sexuality his whole career. Yeah. And notably in the 70s, I guess. It's quite interesting that Morrissey but, would say that, because he's never said, you know, famously, we don't know what Morrissey... I think we know with. that Morrissey's gay now. I but, think Morrissey has... I don't know if he's actually said it. That's what I mean. But he's never said it. And maybe... My point is that maybe... It's much more, isn't it, about playing with sexuality. And for Morrissey, presumably he thought he's a homosexual. Yes. I don't think I've heard anyone but my mum and Morrissey say that. But he definitely used the word homosexual. He did not say he's a gay artist. Yeah, he's not gay. He said homosexual. Yeah, brilliant. In a way that some people say hummus. You know, some people say hummus and some people say hummus. He didn't it's say hummus, like did he? <laughs> but he could have, I could have misheard like I misheard Neil. And he could have say, uh, in the 70s he was a hummus act and in the 80s he was a hummus act. <laughs> he was a terror slaughterer. But the beauty of Bowie is that he could, you could say he's a hummus act and he'd say, yeah, or am I? <laughs> Who knows? Bowie covered uh, I Think It's Going to Happen Someday by Morrissey, which is on your Arsenal, I think. I think it's on your Arsenal. It's the Mick Ronson produced. Mick so Ronson produced. There's a weird connection it's either there. either Fox and I or your Arsenal. Now, you were saying to me that Bowie covered that partly because he felt it was Morrissey's attempt to do rock and roll suicide. So I think Morrissey would have got fucked off about that because I could imagine Morrissey... I mean, that's weird, isn't it, by the way? Here we're talking about someone who was a massive fan, Yeah. And who Bowie is now covering one of his songs. Yeah. And I think Bowie, I think Morrissey was a bit fucked off about it because... Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? That because they be, fell yeah. out. Yeah. And because also Bowie, I think, was a little bit, like, pissed off himself that Morrissey had done a song that was a little bit like Rock and Roll Suicide. And it, and it was complicated by the fact that Mick Ronson 
produce this. Yes. And again, so Bo I think, was a bit jealous. I think great thing for Morrissey to do, right? You've yeah. got Mick Ronson, who has you know fallen on I think quite hard times as, yeah. as a producer. Yeah. So you've got a sort of weird triangle, and it's a bit like because um, Bowie's like, well, there's form here because I got something wrong the other on one of the other podcasts, which is said that Bowie had said that he do you remember ripped his eyebrows out, taken his mm. eyebrows out because Mott the Hoople's version all of all the young dudes, dudes was better. Yeah. Well, got that's, number one. Right, but that's not why he did it. Oh. That's not. He actually took his eyebrows... He was just trying to get a better he, eyebrow shape. He didn't do it. It was a man. He just didn't do it. It's a really bad story. <laughs> no, he just no, didn't do it. <laughs> no, he, he, he did. He took all his eyebrows out because Mott the Hooper refused to take another Bowie song and uh-huh. cover it. So Bowie basically said, here's the next one, you should do this. Right. And they refused to do it. Oh. And that song was... I mean, Drive In Saturday. Well, Bowie was wrong... To rip his eyebrows out, mm. a because he had lovely eyebrows, of mm. course, but also because I can't imagine the circumstances. That what, was the why response. Did, why did Bowie think I must write all my songs now for Ian Hunter? I mean, yeah. I know that is a good version yes. of of yes. uh, all the young dudes, but Driving Saturday by Bowie is obviously one of the greatest things ever. It's definitely. Worth it. I suppose at that point you're thinking this is all going very well, but you know, writing songs for other people is also a thing I can do, and yeah. I'm not. You know, I don't know. So I think we should play a bit of. I think it's going to happen someday. Should we play a little bit by Morrissey and then a little bit by Bowie? Yeah. To hear it. It's, it's, things, I know it's going to happen just to be... Is, I know it's going to happen, happen someday. someday. Okay. And, it, and, and for Smith's fans, of which you're one, mm. you'll also notice it's very... There's real echoes of um, Last Night I Dreamt Somebody Loved Me. It's got that slight sort of 50s okay. aching ballad kind of feel. So this is... Shall I do it? Yeah, you play it. This is Morrissey. Anyway, so that that's a really lovely Morrissey. But and the, the point about interesting about the Bowie one is it's very straight, right? We've we've read that he was taking his revenge and felt pissed off, but it's it's a very straight cover version, right? Really lovely cover version because Bowie's in. Full. But I have read a mm. quote mm. on Pushing Ahead of the Dame, which is a website uh, that has got all things about David Bowie on it, even more microscopic than this podcast. That Bowie was quoted as saying, "I think he's trying to spoof me with that song." That so, Morrissey was trying to spoof yeah, Bowie, yeah. He's got a quote of Mor- about Bowie saying he's mm. trying to spoof me, so I can't let him get away with that. But maybe Bowie meant that in a jovial way. I've got to feel... Because it's quite Morrissey's song, isn't it? You don't... It feels... I, I don't think it's that much like Rock and Roll Suicide. No, it's <laughs> got similar... It's got a slightly similar chord progression, um, and I suppose it's got that you building... Know you know what I'm going to do? Yeah. I'm just going to play, because I just think it's a better way to go out than that song. Great though it is, it's a bit maudlin. I'm going to just go here. here Less Maudlin, rock and roll Less suicide. Maudlin. Here we go. This is going to this is going to go out because it's it's really I feel we need an uplift yeah. at the end of this. So in a way, I think rock and roll suicide for me now is about Morrissey telling me to kneel. That for <laughs> me was my big rock and roll suicide moment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's when I basically I think you never came back from that. Immolated myself mm. in front mm. of rock and roll. Mm. So here we go, and this is how I felt inside. Marvellous. I think you really were alone, though, when you were kneeling in front of him. That's the terrible tragedy. That is how I felt Mm. inside. Uh, On some blurb somewhere to do with our podcast, you can find out all the details about these songs. Uh, That's, I think, it for this episode of Stalking Time for the Moon Boys. I've enjoyed it enormously. I'm exhausted. 
because uh, we seem to be talking forever. Mm. But it's been a joy. It's been fun, hasn't it? Yeah. See you next time. Toodle pit. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.